This is the third in a three-part series called The Altar of Your Heart. And in this series, we've been looking at the fact that God no longer works in the Old Testament temple in Jerusalem with Old Testament priests and Old Testament sacrifices animals. But now in the New Testament, the New Covenant, no longer having these Old Testament forms, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the priests of God, all who believe, and we are to bring spiritual sacrifices to God. So when we look back at the Old Testament, the temple, the priests and the sacrifices, we can see types and shadows and foretastes of how God is working today on the earth, not in a stone temple, but in living temples, you and I. Last, the first one we looked at was the temples of the Holy Spirit, how we are God's temples on earth. Then last week we looked at how we are the priests of God on earth. And now in the final series, or the final uh, sermon of the series, we're going to look at what spiritual sacrifices are we meant to bring to God. And we'll see these uh, three things found here in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander... Like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. And coming to him, as to a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God, you also, as living stones, are being built up in a spiritual house, for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So there in that verse, verse 5 of 1 Peter 2, we see that we are the temples of the Holy Spirit. We are spiritual stones in the house of God on earth. All the millions and millions of believers all over the world, we are each a spiritual living stone. And put together, we are the temple where the Holy Spirit dwells and works on earth today. We are the priests. A little bit further on in this chapter, verse 9, it says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. And so we are God's priests. The Old Testament, you had to be a Levite in order to be a priest. But in the New Covenant, all of God's people are priests. And uh, now in this uh, final session, we're looking at the fact that we are to bring spiritual sacrifices. All truth is parallel. And that's why we can look at the Old Testament temple priests and sacrifices and we will see that they are Old Testament shadows of how God is working in the temples and priests and sacrifices of his church today. And uh, sometimes when people talk, hear you talk about temples, priests and sacrifices, they think, well, what have temples got to do with life in, in London today? What about priests? What about sacrifices? This is all old-style language. What does it mean for us today? Well, it means everything for us today. God inhabits his temple. You, if you believe, are his temple. The priestly service of God 
continues. We looked at that last week. And spiritual sacrifices, if you don't know what sacrifices God is wanting you as a Christian to bring to him, then your life isn't going to be very fruitful for the kingdom of God. So being a temple being a priest and being and bringing a sacrifice to God, that is the very essence of life. And whether you're a student studying or whether you're, you're a business person or, or whether you're in your recreation or your neighbourhood, whatever you are doing is based on how you operate as God's temple, how you operate as God's priest and what sacrifices throughout the whole encompass of your life you are bringing to him. Now, the heart is the holy of holies. The greatest work of the Holy Spirit on earth today is in the hearts of men and women and children. That's where God primarily works, on the inside of your life, in the deep part of who you are. Jesus said that out of a person's heart comes all the bad things that they do. But also, out of, a, out of a person's heart comes all the good things that God wants to do. Out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of the Holy Spirit. When you're born again, God gives you a new heart and you no longer have to operate out of the old, broken, failing heart that you were born with. I'm talking about your spiritual heart, the who you really are deep down inside. And your heart is the altar from which you serve God and from which we serve one another. Today, I'm going to give you six spiritual sacrifices that we bring to God in our daily lives. If we are operating and are, are, are bringing these sacrifices to God on a daily basis, everything else in life will fall into place. Let me say that again because it's very important. I'm saying that if we bring the sacrifices that God has ordained us as new believers to bring to him, if that's at the forefront of our life, then every other aspect of practical life and living will fall into place. The sacrifice was always the most important thing to God in the Old Testament, and the sacrifice is still the most important thing to God in the New Testament. As I go through these six New Testament sacrifices... I want you to ask yourself, how are you doing in bringing these sacrifices to God? Is the one that you're very good at? Is the one that perhaps you're ignoring and not bringing to God? Or is the one that you really need to work on? How are you doing bringing your spiritual sacrifices, as Peter said, a spiritual house for a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices? How is your sacrificial life before the Lord on a daily basis. Now, the first spiritual sacrifice and the most important spiritual sacrifice that we are to bring to God can be found in Psalm 51 and verse 16. Psalm 51 and verse 16. For you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a contrite and a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. You see in that, in that verse that David wrote, 
that he is comparing the Old Testament sacrifice and realising that despite the importance of the Old Testament sacrifice, there's something more important to God than Old Testament animals being sacrificed in Old Testament temples. David knew that way back then. And he says, you don't delight in sacrifice, so I'd bring it to you if that was what you really wanted. You're not pleased with the burnt offering of an animal. Not really. There's something more important. The sacrifices of God, he said, are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart you will not despise. In other words, God will receive this sacrifice of a broken and contrite heart and it will be received by him as worship. Now, when we talk about a broken and contrite heart, we're not talking about the brokenness that comes when something bad happens to you in the world or you've been wounded or hurt by another person or perhaps someone gave you a, a broken heart sometimes. We're not really talking about that type of brokenness, although that can drive you to God in this way. But we're talking, we're talking about a broken and contrite heart, about an attitude that has no confidence in the self, but every confidence in God. Pause for a moment. No confidence in self. You might say, well, I'm not a very confident person anyway. I'm not confident in what I'm doing. I'm not confident. All right. But, but what about this? Somebody who has no confidence in themselves, but every confidence in God. That's an amazing attitude to have. I don't trust myself. I don't put faith in myself. I don't, I don't believe that I myself without God can do it. But I believe God can do anything. I believe I am what God says I am. I believe I can do what God says I can do. I believe that I can step into that which God has called me to do. To have no confidence in self would be a bad thing if there was no God. But if you have transferred your, loca, your confidence from an internal locus to an external locus, which is God, and now... I'm trusting the Lord every day. I'm praying to the Lord every day. I'm believing that I can do it because the Lord is with me. And your trust is external. What you do, how you do it, is because you're trusting God. This will radically change your prayer life because you will be relying on God every day. Lord, be with me. Lord, use me. Lord, help me. You won't be doing it on your own and saying, God bless it. You'll be saying, without you, Lord, I can do nothing. But with you, I can do everything. Didn't Jesus model this sacrifice as a, of a broken and contrite heart of trusting? He says, I do nothing unless I first see the Father do it. I have come to do the will of my Father, not my own. Everything he did, he did for the Father, even though he could do it himself as God made man. He trusted God. He didn't rely on his own strength even, but he waited for the Holy Spirit to come in his baptism, and he relied on the Holy Spirit. The beginning of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount is a spirit-filled guide to how to live as a Christian. It has all the attitudes a spirit-filled Christian should have. It has the actions of a spirit-filled Christian, the reactions of a spirit-filled Christian, the marks of a spirit-filled Christian, all there in the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon that was ever preached, preached by our Lord. And the first thing that Jesus says in the Beatitudes is this, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. 
In order to qualify for great spiritual power, you must be greatly poverty-stricken of spirit yourself. In other words, you must know your need of God. Isn't this amazing that, that lives are to be marked by forgiveness, not judgmentalism? Duty to God, not rights. Humility, not pride. A heart empty of self-confidence, but full of amazement at the mercy and grace of God. In 1 Peter 2, we were, we were reading, and then verse 9, it speaks we're a chosen priesthood. And then verse 10, you were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And that you are to declare to other people the goodness of God in your life. This is important, a broken and a contrite heart, because without this attitude towards the Lord, then the rest of the sacrifices, the other five I'm going to talk about today, are of no value. Remember, this series is called The Altar of the Heart, and everything that God values starts in your heart, the inside of you. But also, everything that God despises also starts somewhere in a human heart. That's why we have to guard our heart above all things, for from it flow the springs of life, for good or for ill. God is working in your heart. You say, where's God? He's working in your heart. What's God doing? He's doing a work in your heart. Whatever comes out of your life, the giftings, the callings, the impact that you have on those around you, all of it, if it's acceptable to God, begins in your heart. If you're humble before God, you won't have any problem being humble before man because you will know that God is the answer, the alpha and the omega. So that's the first sacrifice, spiritual sacrifice, that is the doorway to all other sacrifices, a broken and a contrite heart. The second spiritual sacrifice is one that we know very well, but do we think about it enough? And do we mix what we do in this sacrifice with faith and understanding? The second sacrifice is thanksgiving, praise and worship. I'm going to read from John chapter 4. And verse 19, and this is where Jesus has gone up to Samaria, and there he meets a Samaritan woman, a very needy woman. It's the middle of the day, and she's drawing water because she's not allowed to draw water with the other women because she's being treated as a prostitute in the village. Uh, Jesus has a word of knowledge, says, go call your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. He says, that's right. You've had five husbands, and that one that you're with is not your husband. Bang. So right into her heart. But then she asks him about worship. In verse 19 of John 4, the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshippers. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Worship is not locational. It used to be limited to the Old Testament 
temple, that's where the incense was, that's where the worship team was, that's where the sacrifice was, that's where the intercession was. But now what Jesus is saying, it's not going to be found in the Samaritan temple on the mountain in Samaria, it's not going to be found on the temple mount in Jerusalem in the temple. But now Jesus says that God the Father is searching for worship to be done in spirit and in truth in the temples of the Holy Spirit. Human beings, wherever they are, can worship God at home, at work, in carnival. Wherever they are, you can worship God and praise him. Hebrews chapter 13 and 15 speaks about the praise that comes out of our mouth, out of our lips. Hebrews 13, 15. Through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of the lips that give thanks to his name. Pause. We were worshipping God today. I know we had a Caribbean, African type feel this morning, a bit more than normal, but we were praising the Lord. We were worshipping the Lord. There's many different ways of worshipping the Lord, quiet praise, loud praise, prayers of thanksgiving, many, many different styles, many, many different ways. All are valid if they come from here. But although we do this in our cell groups, in our, in our quiet times, maybe you've got a favourite worship band. Who's your favourite worship band? What's your favourite worship CD? What do you put on your iPlayer? All this praise is wonderful, but we need to pause to understand that this praise is a sacrifice to God. We aren't just singing songs, we're singing songs to God. We, we have an audience of one, whether you can sing well or not well, it doesn't matter. The moment that you begin to praise God, thank God, worship God, sing to God, you have a captive audience. It's a sacrifice going up to God and God is watching and God is listening and God is responding to what you're singing. The danger is that we could get into the habit of praise rather than the sacrifice of praise. We just sing the same songs, enjoy the, and we can enjoy the beat, we can enjoy the worship, we can enjoy whatever style of worship we're doing right across the, 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 the Christian spectrum, but we're doing it from here and here. It's not the overflow of our hearts. I'm not saying that you do that. I'm saying it's a danger. But when our worship of our lips, with the understanding of our mind, matches the passion of our hearts, something highly spiritual and supernatural is taking place. Jesus said worship in spirit, not just truth, not just saying true things, but spirit. The Holy Spirit inhabits our praise. Ephesians chapter 5 speaks a little bit more about this second sacrifice of praise. Ephesians 5.18 and do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, what happens when you're filled with the Holy Spirit? He continues, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to God, even the Father. Isn't it funny how he talks about wine? Don't get drunk on wine but celebrate in the spirit. He's thinking of people, and there'll probably be a few, two or three over the next 48 hours that might have a little bit too, too much rum or punch during this time, and they'll end up singing songs, not to the Lord. Who knows what they'll end up singing? 
but I'll be singing and swaying and dancing and happy and drunk with wine. But Paul is saying, don't get drunk with wine. No, 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 no. No, no. No, there's, there's something that's different to that kind of, uh, of thing that goes on in the world that caused people to sing. But he says, but no, sing from a heart. Let your rejoicing and your thanksgiving come from you. Maybe you don't feel like praising some days. Well, then that's an even more a sacrifice of praise, isn't it? I emphasize this because Psalm 34 verse 1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will be continually in my mouth. Is this something you need to adjust in your life? Are you going through the motions, singing the songs, enjoying the Christian hits, but are they coming from your heart? Is this something we can do more intentionally? You know, I've heard non-Christians sing gospel songs like Amazing Grace, but no matter how good their voices are, God gave, every, gave them their gifts, they don't have an anointing. They don't, they're not worshippers in spirit. But have you ever been in a place with a small band of believers that begin to worship, then suddenly the Holy Spirit comes in. And the worship is inhabited by God himself. The temples of the Holy Spirit are sending up incense. There's an anointing. The worship is touched by God and brought to God. And as the praises go up, the blessings come down. The presence of God comes. Worship can bring the miraculous into your life. Worship can bring healing. As we touch God through worship, imagine that, touching God through worship, you can, God responds. So a broken or contrite heart spirit, number one, is that what you need to focus on? Thanksgiving, praise and worship, number two. Third, prayer. Prayer is sacrifice. It was one of the major uh, priestly functions of the Old Testament to bring intercession to God. Psalm 141, verse 1. Psalm 141, verse 1. O Lord, I call upon you. Hasten to me. Give ear to my voice when I call you. May my prayer be counted as incense before you. The lifting of my hands as the evening offering. He's doing it again. The psalmist is looking at what goes on in the temple... And he's saying there's something more important than what goes on in the Old Testament temple. There's a spiritual truth. He says, let my prayer be like the incense that continuously is sent in the temple. That smelling aroma up to God. Let my prayer be that. And he says, let the lifting of my hands in prayer, let it be the evening offering. In other words, rather than the evening offering of the animal sacrifice, even better is a believer's hands lifted in prayer. I've got a minister friend of mine, and when he has his morning devotional, he calls it the morning sacrifice. And he has his evening sacrifice. And what that is, is he comes to the Lord and he worships him and he brings his intercession and his prayer to him. Your prayer is like incense. In fact, when you pray to God in his will, your prayers take on a spiritual substance a bit like incense is a fragrant substance, the believer's prayer in his name and in his will takes on a spiritual substance. You say, where's that? It's in Revelation chapter 8 and verse 3. A prophetic picture. Listen to this, Revelations 8, 3. Another angel came and stood at the altar, holding a golden censer, it's like a bowl, 
And much incense was given to him so that he might add it to the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints went up before God out of the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with the fire of the altar and threw it to earth. And there followed peals of thunder, sounds and flashings of lightning and earthquake. This is a prophetic picture of intercession. There we are praying God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Seeking the Lord, praying, interceding. And it's like incense and it's like an angel gathers it, mixes it with incense, takes it to the, the very altar before the throne of Almighty God where it rests. And then God then takes out of the fire of our praise and prayer and then he delivers the answer of our praise and prayer with thunders and peals. It's a picture of God then responding and sending the answer to earth. Every pray, prayer you pray in God's will lies before his altar ready to be answered. There are prayers that you have prayed many years ago that were in God's will. You may have forgotten them, but because they were in God's will from a heart of an intercessor, they remain ready to be answered. There are prayers prayed decades ago that, that are still before God's throne, yet to be answered. There are prayers prayed by believing saints centuries ago that were in his will, that are still still before the throne of God, ready to be answered at the right time of God's sovereign plan. Think about that. Your prayers will outlive you when you die on earth. Your prayers for future generations, those prayers can stay if they're in God's will. I'm not saying prayers in God's will will remain. There, thank God, he doesn't answer prayers that aren't, that aren't in his will or will be in a right mess. A broken and contrite heart, number one. Thanksgiving and praise and worship, number two. Prayer, number three. Four, good works. I mentioned Hebrews 13. I'll mention it again. Hebrews 13, 15 and 16. Through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of the lips that give thanks to his name. But it's not just praise and worship. It goes on in verse 16. And do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. The sacrifice of your lips, but also the sacrifice of doing good. This is an Old Testament theme as well. I'm going to uh, uh, read from Micah chapter 6 and verse 6. With what shall I come to the Lord and bow myself before the God on high? Shall I come to him with burnt offerings, with yielding calves? Does the Lord take delight in the thousands of rams, in ten thousands rivers of oil? Shall I present my firstborn for my rebellious acts, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. The Old Testament priests would often rebuke the people of God 
because they would do their festivals, they would do all the rites at the temple and the sacrifices, and then the prophets would say, God would rather you looked after the needy, the poor, the foreigner, the orphan. The prophets were always correcting people, saying, don't just go through the ritual motions, but there is a higher sacrifice, and that is loving your neighbour as yourself. Even giving is a sacrifice. In Philippians 4 verse 16, Paul speaking about a gift that was given, he says, not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. But I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epipathroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches. That giving for the ministry was not just giving for the ministry, it was a sacrifice to God. Fifthly, sharing the gospel. When we share the gospel in word and deed with others, we are actually bringing a sacrifice to God. Excuse me a second. Romans 15, but I have written very boldly to you on some points as to remind you again because of the grace that was given me from God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, ministering as a priest the gospel of God so that my offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Paul was saying, as I witness to people, I'm worshipping God. When I hand out a tract to someone about Jesus, it's a sacrifice to the Lord. I won't turn to it, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, Paul says, when we minister the gospel to others, we are a pleasing aroma ascending to God. When you're sharing good news with somebody else, it's a sacrifice of worship that goes to the Lord, an aroma to the Lord of salvation to those who believe, but judgment to those that reject. Firstly, a broken and contrite heart. Secondly, thanksgiving, praise and worship. Thirdly, prayer. Fourthly, good works to one another. Fifthly, sharing the gospel. Sixthly, offering your body as a living sacrifice to the Lord. You know those good works I mentioned? Uh, Whatever we do to someone, good. Whatever we care for someone, forgive someone, or act like Jesus to someone, we're doing it unto the Lord. Do you remember when Jesus said to the people at the parable of the sheep and the goats, whenever you gave water to somebody who was thirsty, you're giving it to me. Whenever you visited someone in the prison, you were visiting me. So this good works, which I forgot to mention, is that. So we've got broken contrite heart, thanksgiving, praise and worship, prayer number three, four good works, Five, sharing the gospel. And finally, Romans chapter 12. Our whole body to be a living sacrifice, like a temple of the Holy Spirit. I'll read it, and then we're going to close together. Romans 12. Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. This brings us right back to my first sermon in this three-part series on being temples of the Holy Spirit. Our whole lives is to be a living sacrifice. There's no arena of human life, no part of your life 
that you're not meant to be worshipping the Lord with. Whatever you do at work, you can worship the Lord doing. Whatever you do, do it unto the Lord and it becomes an act of worship. Which one of these is God speaking to you about? Which one are you being encouraged in? Which one do you, do you feel the Holy Spirit prompting to give more of your sacrifice to you? God is speaking to us. Out of these six sacrifices, the whole of our lives come. Well, we're going to respond by finishing, if I can have the worship team up, by singing a hymn together. It's a Graham Kendrick song. And in the uh, last verse, it reads like this. So let us learn how to serve and in our lives enthrone him. Each other needs to prefer, for it's Christ we're serving. This is our God, our servant king. Can I have the worship team? We're going to go very quickly. This is our God, the servant king. He calls us now to follow him. And here, to bring our lives as a daily offering of worship to the servant king.